We're beginning our study on the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah was written around 760 BC. Some regard this book as allegory, uh, written about 430 BC to counter Ezra and Nehemiah. In this view, Jonah represents disobedient Israel. The sea represents the Gentiles, the fish is Babylon, and the three days in the fish's belly symbolizes the Babylonian captivity. But according to 2 Kings 14.25, Jonah was not only a real person, but he was an accredited prophet from Gath-Hefer near Nazareth. Furthermore, Jesus Christ treated Jonah's experience in the belly of the fish as actual fact, Matthew 12.39-41. And of course, the book reads as a straightforward historical account. We read of Jonah back in 2 Kings chapter 14, Starting in verse 25, the Bible says, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering in of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai the prophet, which was of Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, for there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. And the Lord said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So Jonah is connected with the reign of Jeroboam, the second of Israel, who had succeeded in reestablishing the power of Israel over most of the territory north of Judah. So now the outline, the general outline of Jonah could be found in Jonah chapter 1. We see Jonah fleeing. Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah praying. Chapter 3, we see Jonah preaching. And chapter 4, we see Jonah learning. Now starting off in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. Now notice, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. God chose Jonah. God chose Jonah. It shows God is sovereign in the events of our life. God chose Jonah. The name Jonah here means dove. God bestowed great honor upon Jonah in giving him the commission to go and prophesy against Nineveh. As mentioned earlier, Jonah signifies a dove and has a proper name for all God's prophets and God's people who ought to be harmless as doves and to mourn as doves for the sins and calamities of the land. Jonah's father's name was Amittai. God's prophets should be the sons of truth, and Amittai's name means my truth. To him the word of the Lord came. To him it was, so the word signifies, for God's word is a real thing. Men's words are but wind. But God's words are substance. He had been before acquainted with the word of the Lord, and he knew his voice from that of a stranger. The orders now given to him were, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, in verse 2. Nineveh at this time was the metropolis of the Assyrian monarchy. Nineveh was located on the east bank of the Tigris River, more than 500 miles from Palestine. Sennacherib made it the capital of Assyria around 700 B.C., Nineveh was known for extreme wickedness, extreme cruelty to prisoners of war. So verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Arise here in verse 2 means to quickly apply yourself to this business with speed and courage. In a resolution it becomes a prophet, Arise, go to Nineveh. Those that go on God's errands must rise and go. They must get themselves going. They must get ready for the work. The prophets were first sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, yet not to them only. Here we see God sending a prophet out to Gentiles, sending Jonah to Nineveh. 
Cry against it in verse 2 means to earnestly and publicly preach against the sins and denounce the sudden ruin that was going to come upon the city. For their wickedness has come up before me. There are many and great sins, as is said of Cain's sin when he had slain Abel, Genesis 4.10, and Sodom's sins in Genesis 18.20-21, and the sins of the oppressors in James 5.4. Cry aloud, the cry enters heaven, and justice must no longer defer, yet I will give them warning. Jonah, go! Tell them, warn them, cry against them. But if you notice here, Jonah rose up to flee. He was trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. But no one can escape from the presence of the Lord. Psalm 139, 7-12 Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. You cannot run from the presence of God. Jonah's motive for fleeing here was hinted at in Jonah 4, verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah here is frustrated that God would actually be gracious and allow them a chance to repent of their evil. Jonah's motive for flight was so powerful that he fled from the presence of God. He was afraid God would give them mercy. He was afraid God would spare them. From the presence of the Lord mentioned here in verse 3, Jonah thought perhaps in fleeing the land of Israel, where Jehovah was peculiarly present, that he would escape Jehovah's prophecy-inspiring influence. He probably knew of the truth stated in Psalm 139, 7-10, but ignored it and hoped he could outrun it. Charles Spurgeon had this thought in verse 3 in chapter 1 of Jonah. Why would I have thought that a prophet would act so wickedly? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We are much weaker than a prophet, and more likely to fall. Let us therefore cry to the Lord to keep us. The finding of the ship was one of those providences which some think it right to follow in the teeth of God's express commands. Old Thomas Adams says, And thou wilt fly from God, the devil will lend thee both spurs and a horse. Yea, a post-horse will carry thee swiftly. It is our duty to follow God's orders, and not the apparent leading of circumstances. Sin is expensive. The fare thereof must be paid. And men care not how much they pay to gratify their, their own wrong desires. Though they will grumble at any little which the cause of God asks from them, what a mad errand was Jonah upon when he hoped to fly from the Lord, who was alike present in all places, as much present in Tarshish as he was in Nineveh. So starting in verse 1 again, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now look at verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Jonah, notice Jonah was put in danger, 
when he turned from God. Also notice here, but the Lord sent. God is always in complete control of every situation. We may think we're running from God, but God is in control of what's going on in our life. Notice he was put in danger from running from God. And notice, but the Lord sent. God is in complete control of any situation you may be in. Notice a great wind. The Lord sent out a great wind. Jonah and all of them on the, the boat with him were overtaken by a great storm, which the Bible tells us was sent to them directly from God. Now notice also it says the ship was like to be broken. They had nearly suffered a shipwreck in this great storm they were now in. The way of duty is the only way of peace and safety. They who seek to escape trouble by disobeying God's commands plunge themselves into deeper trouble. When Jonah was set on the ship, on board, sailing to Tarshish, he thought he was safe enough. He thought he'd gone away from God. But here we find him pursued, overtaken, discovered, and convicted as a deserter from God's will for his life. God sent a pursuer after Jonah, a mighty tempest in the sea. God has the winds in his treasure. Out of these treasures God sent forth, he cast forth the storm towards Jonah. The wind blows where it listeth, yet not as to God, but he directs it. The effect of this wind was a mighty tempest. The winds and the, and the waves rose. Sin brings storms. We don't always know why a storm or a great wind may come into our life. Perhaps, like Jonah, we have strayed from God's will for our life. Perhaps we have decided that that's too dangerous or his will might actually be successful and I want no part of that. I'm going to go do my own thing. But God may be sending that storm that you possibly might be going through in your life right now to pull you back. It may be God's grace that problem you're going through, that struggle you're going through, that trial you're going through, may be a form of God's grace that he is imparting unto you to bring you back into his will. So let's do a quick recap of these first four verses in Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. God chose Jonah. But Jonah rose up to flee. Man is rebellious. And then next part of verse 3. So he paid the fare thereof. Jonah actually paid to run from God. Now at verse 4, But the Lord sent. God is always in complete control of the situation. Jonah was put in danger because he was running from God. But in reality, that danger, that storm in his life, was God's mercy directed at him to bring him back into his will.